The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. Good morning. Hey, so our scripture comes from Romans 8, uh, verse 9 through 17. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, but if For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This has been the reading of God's word. The world is dying around us. I I want you to, that sounds like a dramatic opening statement, and it is, but I, I I want you to stop and think for a second about what I just said. The world is dying around us. That's something that all Christians everywhere believe. If you are a believer in Christ, you believe that the world around us is dying. And and here's what I am asking about you and about me this morning, about us as a church is, do you hear it? Do you see it around you? Step back from a moment from whatever it is that consumes your time and consumes your attention and consumes your thoughts each day. If you can, just step back for a minute from your job and from your career and from your relationship or your desire for a relationship. Step back for a minute from your marriage or from politics or from social issues. All those things are important. I didn't name, <coughs> excuse me, partying last night, I guess. I, I, uh, which is funny because I sat beside while you guys were partying. But uh, all those things I just stated are important issues. Job, parenting, your uh, social issues, politics, all those are incredibly important issues. But, but I'm saying sometimes we get caught up in the, in the minutia of all those things and we stop hearing the world dying around us for a moment. I want you to stop this moment for a, a moment and listen. It's easy to get caught up in all those things, but we forget that the world is dying around us. If you step back for a second, you can hear it. You can hear your neighbors and your family. You can hear your coworkers. You can hear, Paul tells us earlier in the book of Romans, he says that we can hear creation itself groaning to be redeemed. 
It, it, the, the picture there is that the, the people around us and creation itself, it's like they are moaning, they're gasping, they're crying out, they're frantically clutching for some sense of hope for life. When we see all the things that are going on in our world today, and it seems like more is going on and more is at stake than ever in our lifetimes, and that is true. When we look around and we see all that, we see all the movement, we see all the yelling, all the screaming, all the concern, it is all the world frantically gasping, groaning, crying out, grasping for a hope of life. And the question that's been running through my mind at this moment in time in our country and in our world as we see that in the middle of all that is going around us, here's the question that I have is, where are the Christians? That's the question that I have that, 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 that goes through my head is where are the Christians who are bold yet who are humble? Where are the Christians who are filled with the presence and power of the spirit of God and have the good news of the gospel of Jesus on their lips? Where are those people in the middle of a world that is gasping for breath and is dying around us? If you would allow me a nerd moment, there's a, a, a scene that happens in the third uh, Harry Potter book or the Harry Potter movie, if you're the Millers and you don't the, read the books, but if, if you, and in the movie or the books, if, if, and there's a, a scene that happens where uh, Harry Potter, he's getting ready to, to be killed by these dementors, these evil spirits that are coming to suck the life out of Harry Potter. And he, he, he's, He's also, um, at the same time, he has time traveled and he's has watching himself. You have to read the book or watch the movie, but just stick with me for a second. He's watching himself about to die and, and he sees someone, but he can't see who it is from across the lake, uh, issue this charm. I know it's nerdy. Issue this charm that comes out that dispels the evil spirits away and saves Harry Potter and his godfather. And, and as Harry is is experiencing this moment as he's watching himself. He, he saw, as he was dying in the moment, he saw this charm and he saw himself get saved. Uh, later on, as he's watching himself go through this moment, he knows help is coming. Someone's gonna send help. I, I know it, I've already seen it. Someone's gonna come and dispel these evil spirits that are coming and sucking my life away. And he waits and waits and waits and they never come. And finally, he just can't wait. And he does the charm and he realizes that he was the one who had issued the charm. And, and I've been watching the world around us waiting for somebody to come forth with the humble but yet bold spirits with the spirit of God filling them and the gospel, the good news Jesus on their lips to speak to this moment that we are in as a country and as a world. I'm waiting for somebody to come forward and do something. And my, the thing that keeps coming to me is got to be us. No one else is coming. We are the ones the Lord has sent. He has given us his spirit and he has given us the gospel. And yet here's where we are is for most of us, most of our lives look too much like the world around us that is frantically crying out than the people who are humble yet bold. The spirit of God filling them and the good news of Jesus on their lips. It's like we're running around a playground 
and we're climbing the slides and we're playing on the seesaws and we're running all those cool little bridges they have and playing all the games. And some people are in having little schoolyard, you know, squabbles and fights all around this, this, this play, this playground. And yet a tsunami is closing in and we're content sliding on our slides and squabbling over little mundane things inside the playground rather than paying attention to the giant tsunami that's coming. I, I hope this message this morning hits us and hits you like, like a double punch. I hope, first of all, it comes and hits us all in the gut and says, you cannot continue to live life like you always have been. You cannot continue to live life like you have been living. And secondly, I hope it comes and hits you and me in the guts and says, but we cannot live that way anymore. We can't afford to play around on the playground when the tsunami is threatening. But yet, here's the really cool news behind it. By the power of God, you don't have to. Our passage opens up this morning saying, you are no longer of the flesh. Just before this passage that Brian preached on, man, he did such a great job last week. So proud to be a part of a church with him. Just before this, this passage that he preached on, Paul was saying that, that, that in Christ there's no condemnation. It's such great news of assurance that the believer has in Christ. If you are in Christ, if you are a Christian, there's now therefore no condemnation. No one can condemn you. Those who are in Christ Jesus are free, Paul tells us, from sin and death. And because we are free from sin and death, then we should set our minds on the things of the Spirit and not not of the flesh. He, he tells us in verse seven and eight that the flesh is hostile to God. That those are, who are in the flesh can't please God. So first of all, we have to talk about what is he talking about when he talks about the, the spirit and he talks about the, the flesh. And, and we have to understand, first of all, he's not talking about our physical bodies. But what, what Paul is not saying is that our physical bodies are evil or that our, our flesh is bad and, and spirit is good. That, that's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is that our bodies and our minds, our way of thinking, our, our natural values and way of thinking in this world is part of a broken, rebellious system. What Paul is doing when he's talking about flesh and spirit is he's contrasting two different kingdoms or two different dominions. He's saying that the, the world or the dominion, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the spirit is all that pleases God and all that is under the rule and reign of King Jesus. And yet all that is under the flesh is worldly and broken. It is in rebellion against God. And now we get to our passage, Romans 8, verse 9. You, however, and he's speaking to Christians, if you are in this room or you're watching online and you are a believer in Christ, Paul is talking directly to you. I want you to hear not just the Apostle Paul 2,000 years ago or even Randy, some guy at, in some gym saying this to you this morning. I want you to hear the Spirit of God saying this to your soul and to your mind this morning. You, however, are not in the flesh. You are not a part of this world 
Worldly broken system is what he's saying. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Here's what he's saying. You as a believer are not in the flesh. If you're a Christian, you are, hear this, you are no longer a part of the broken, rebellious, worldly system. That is not who you are anymore. That was who you were. That is not who you are today. And that is not because you are more moral. It's not because you are nicer. It is not because you checked a box on a card at a church or walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or got dunked in water. Those are not the reasons. They may accompany the reason, but that is not the reason that you are not of the part of this broken, fleshly, worldly system anymore. You are not a part of that system because the spirit of God dwells in you. I think this is the the great doctrine or teaching of the church that we ignore to our great peril and our loss. And it's why I think that we are uh, sitting and watching by a world that is on fire flames and we don't have an adequate answer. We know in our minds that there's an answer. We say there is water that exists to put out this fire. There exists a ladder that will rescue this person down from this ledge. There is a, 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 a system in place that can accommodate them, but we're all like watching as bystanders around because we forget and we ignore that Christianity is not about a church we attend or a doctrine we believe, but it's about the spirit of God that dwells in you and among us as Christians and has translated us from the kingdom of this world or the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of Jesus, the kingdom of light. If you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. We have to stop here for a minute and say this, because of all what I just said, Christianity is not a church you go to or a code of beliefs that you believe in or a group of people that you belong to. It is it the spirit of God dwelling in you? It is possible to be a part of all of those things. You could be going to a small group, studying the Bible. You could be doing a better job doing your quiet time every single morning. You can be a very moral person. You can be teaching classes. You can be raising your hands at all the right times of the songs. You guys know what I'm talking about. We raise the part, our hands in this part of the song, then we put them down and we sway in this part and we know what to say to each other on Sunday morning. You might know all the script. And yet if the spirit of God does not dwell in you, You are not a Christian. This morning, I hope that would hit some of us this morning. Some of you are here, some of you are watching to know that if I, it's possible for for me to believe all the right things and do all the right things from the outside and go to all the things I need to go to. And yet something has not happened within me that is the great difference between those who are Christians and those who are not Christians. The great difference is not in our moral behavior, but it's in the spirit of God dwelling and working within us. If in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Christian, it is, it is not who you are anymore to be a part of this broken, worldly, fleshly, 
broken system. There is a real, hear this, there's a real and definite change that has occurred in you. And if it has not occurred, then you're not a Christian. But if it has occurred, you are no longer a part of that system. It is not fit who you are anymore. There is no starker change than a person who is previously not a believer and who is now is indwelt by the spirit of the living God. If I decided today, if I decided at this moment to renounce my allegiance to the Clemson Tigers and was to suddenly pull off my shirt and you guys would gladly not see my chest, but see a Gamecock shirt underneath. And I was to declare my allegiance to the University of South Carolina and their Gamecocks. It could be, it would not be any starker a change. In fact, it would not be as stark a change as those who are once not believers and those who are suddenly afterwards indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. Christian, you are not of the flesh. And he tells us here, you are of the Spirit. Look at verses 10 and 11 in Romans 8. But if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but, so he's saying that, that this body that we have is destined to death because of sin. That was the, the wages of sin is death, Paul tells us in Romans. We see in the very beginning in the garden that when Adam and Eve sinned, it was there that they died. Their bodies did not die. They were separated from God, but their bodies were then destined to death. Destined to die, which is not our original destiny, and to the true eternal death, which is forever to be parted from God, our maker. Although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, hear this believer, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. First of all, Paul tells us that if you're a Christian, you are not of the flesh, you are of the spirit. And what that means is that you have the life of the spirit of God within you. The Christian, the, the, the biggest marker, the, the baseline marker that should mark us as different from the world around us is that at the core of who we are, we have a, a, a power of life at work within us. We have life that is pulsing within us. The spirit of God, we are now connected to God by his spirit. And we have an, an inner power and an inner connection to God that is different than anybody else around us is different than the natural state of man. Christians know because we know what our destiny is and we experience the intercourse, the uh, exchange, the life of the spirit of God within us. We are of a different kingdom. We operate from a different mindset. Our values are different because of that. Moral values, absolutely. But just the way that we view life. Look, we as Christians should take all the wise precautions that are necessary during a time of a pandemic. All the wise precautions that are necessary we should take. But whether I tomorrow will 
contract COVID and die of it. And my family is left without a dad and a father that will not knock Christ off the throne. Jesus will still be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And nothing and no one, no pandemic, no ruler, no authority, no enemy of mine, nothing can take away the life that is pulsing inside me and the destiny that I have for my future because of the spirit of God that is dwelling within me. Nothing can. Do you know what that means? It means as a believer, we should live like a people who are playing with house money. Because my kingdom is not of this world. My marriage, as great as it is, my kids, as great as they are, uh, having money, as great as that may be, having whatever situation that you may have, as cool as those things may be, those do not determine your value nor your destiny. The spirit of God dwelling within you and the future destiny that you have through him, that determines your destiny. And that enables me to play fast and loose with my life. Not irresponsible, but it does mean that I can, I can be free to take risks for the glory, not for my pleasure, but for the glory of God. There should be nothing, no requests, no commands that God has given you. There are some of you that are in this room that are watching that you know what God has commanded you to do. You're at a station in your life and you know what God has commanded you in, your, in his word and in your soul. You know what God has commanded you to do. And you look ahead down that road and it looks hard and it looks uncertain and it looks dark and you're not sure how you'll get to where he's called you to go. That is not of your concern and my concern. That is above our pay grade. He's called us to go and you, and you can go with eyes wide open and you can go daring and you can go boldly and humbly because the spirit of God dwells within you and your destiny is secure. secure. I stood before my mom and her now husband yesterday and they made a pledge for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. And that is the vow that God makes to us and we make to God as believers. And the thing that empowers us to do it is the life of the spirit of God that dwells within us. Paul tells us that if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who did raise Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells within you. He's saying, the, the assurance that we have in the fact that Jesus was, Jesus was a historical man who died, was buried and rose again and is now seated at the right hand of the Father because we know that happened and that he is seated there. That is my assurance that whenever I die, I know where I'm going. That the life that, it was, that is within me, the picture here is that sort of like my body, which is wasting away. But yet there's this seed this, that is growing within me of life. That's the spirit of God. And that one day that spirit of life, that seed that is within me is gonna overtake my mortal body and what is mortal will be transferred into immortality. What is sinful will be purged and done away with. Death will no longer hang over my head like the sword of Damocles. The historical death and resurrection of Jesus is my assurance that my future is just as secure as the past is.
that should change the way that we live our lives. Hey, that should change the way that you live your life. I'm gonna say it again. That should change the way you live your life. And that's what exactly Paul says at this point in the passage. In verse 12, he says, so then, so he's pointing back to what he's been talking about before, because you are no longer of the flesh and the spirit of God of life is dwelling within you Because of that, so then, brothers and sisters, I'll throw that in, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Look at what he says should be motivating us. All right? We know that we're not of the flesh anymore. The spirit of God is dwelling within us. The spirit of life is within us. Our destinies and our future is secure while life still works within our souls today. And he says, this is what should motivate us. He says, the stakes are incredibly high. Did you get that in the passage? He says, if you live according to the flesh, what will happen? He says, you will die. But if you live according by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What is he saying there? He's saying that we prove that life is within us. We prove that the spirit of God is dwelling within us by putting to death the deeds of our body and no longer walking like we once were. My actions, it's not saying like my actions are the cause of whether I'm gonna live or die. It's saying my actions show whether I'm destined to live or to die. You want that saying? I think this should ring in all of our ears. It's saying, believer, if you call yourself a believer and your life has no discernible difference from this fleshly broken dominion and kingdom that surrounds us, then you have no reason to believe that you are destined for life. If there is no discernible difference, that's not saying perfection. That's not saying you're hitting a home run every day, but it is saying if you are a Christian, we're stick with the baseball analogy. If you're a Christian and you never put the ball in play, then maybe you're not actually a Christian. I think a great thing that can happen for the church, the American church today, would be there for there to be a sudden crystal clear clarity between those who claim, quote, traditional Christian family, Judeo, I love to do air quotes, Judeo-Christian values and those who are actually indwelt by the spirit of God. I think if there was a clear, crystal clear division, clarity between those who claim the name of Christ and those who are actually indwelt by the spirit of God, that would do a great deal to help us in the church and help us in our society. Just to be clear, that's not the team that we're playing for. We're a team spirit. 
not team social values, though that may be a part of it. We are team spirit. We are not team Republican or Democrat. We are not team conservative or liberal. We are no longer of that system anymore. We are of a totally different kingdom. The stakes are incredibly high. This is life or death. This is your life and death that we're talking about, first of all. And then it's the world's life and death. The world that is dying around us is frantically looking for a hope of life. And they are, I hear them, they are looking at the church saying, is there something there? And they aren't sure if they see it. It's life or death for you and me, but it's life or death for the world that is around us that is crying out. The stakes are high. And then he tells us that's not the only motivation. He says the rewards are amazing. Life. That's the reward. I'm not just talking about living instead of dying. I'm not talking about continuing to get to breathe. I'm talking about abundant life united to the God who made you, who fashioned you. I'm talking about connection to your Lord and Savior personally. One of those things that this passage is telling us is that, is that this, though this doesn't happen passively for us as Christians. We aren't passive in this. It, it is supernatural. It, that life happens because of the supernatural life that is dwelling within the, within the, the heart of the believer, but it, isn't, it is not automatic. What he's saying is because this is true, Christian, because this is true for you, then you must live like it. Not only do we have the, do we have the motivation to live like it, we don't want life, we want, we want death, we want life but we also have the power to live like it. If the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling within you. Meg and I went through uh, this adoption training. And one of the things that they, they train you about is that if you get a child who is... Uh, who's been in a bad situation and maybe somewhat older, then there will be some, even though you bring them into a safe home, you love them, they have all the food they want, they have care from you, that there'll still be some habits there that are left over from their old life. And one of the things they talked about is that, that you'll sometimes catch your, your child you know, sneaking in the pantry or the refrigerator sneaking out food, they'll take it to the room and hide it because the, the home that they were in before, they weren't sure if they're gonna be able to eat. And they don't know from you if there's gonna be food tomorrow. And so their instinct, their survival instinct kick, kicks in and says, I'm gonna take this food and I'm gonna, I'm gonna hide it. God is calling us to no longer live according to the old life. He's saying, 
I've given you all the care and attention that you need. Live like it. It's like a supremely gifted artist or a supremely gifted basketball player, a lot like me when I'm on the court. Who's who's extremely gifted, but yet they're called by their coach to live up to their talent. You're extremely talented. How many times have you, I mean, if if you've watched a a sports movie, it's all like, hey, you're supremely talented. Now you got to apply yourself and act like the supremely talented player that you are. And that's what we are as believers. We have the spirit of God dwelling within us and he is calling us to live like it. If Galatians 5.25, if we live by the spirit, let's also keep in step by the spirit. God has done the great work in Christ to free us. And now we as believers are commanded to put to death the old life. What he says, is live up to the potential that is dwelling within you by the Spirit of God. It's not your potential. It is the unlimited, unmatchable potential of the Spirit of God that dwells within you. You are no longer, he says, a debtor or you're no longer obliged to live according to the flesh. You are, however, a debtor to the Spirit. You have an obligation. Hear that. You have an obligation to live according to your new nature. Very, very quickly. The question is then, how do we do that? Here's how we do it. The connection between the work of Jesus, what he has done for you and living a life that looks more like Jesus is the spirit of God dwelling within you. For you, verse 14, for all of you who are led by this, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. In closing, look at what the Spirit does. Here's the Spirit connects you between what Christ has done and living a life that looks more like Christ is first of all, by you leaning into the fact that you are indwelt by the spirit of God. It means that you are through God's word and through the leading of the spirit, you are, you live a life that is increasingly led by the spirit of God. And that is empowered by the fact that we as believers have an assurance of our adoption. Did you hear that in the passage? For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoptions as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The word Abba is a word that's mostly closely translatable to, to daddy. So he's saying that we have an assurance of our adoption by the spirit of God. We have a personal intimacy with the father and it's that intimacy, it's that connection, is the ability to be led by the spirit of God through the word of God that empowers us to live a life that is different. So today, as we prepare to take communion and we sing together, 
as we celebrate the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus on our behalf, the, the good news of who Jesus was and what he has done for us. Let us celebrate the even like just piling on the good news on top of that, that, that not only has that happened in the past, but the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus Christ dwells within you to cry out to the father the same way Jesus cried out to the father in the garden of Gethsemane. And he said, daddy, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. The same spirit dwells within you to cry out to him, daddy. Let's cry out to, the, to Jesus saying, Jesus, send your spirit. Let me taste and know that you are good. Don't let, don't let, me, don't let me stay where I am. I can no longer live like the rest of the world. I must go forward and living the life of the spirit, Jesus Christ. Let me taste and see that you are good. Let me no longer hear about how good you are and hear about how you have worked at other times through other people. But let me see that through me and in me today. Today, if you're a non-Christian, whether in here or watching, make today the day that you bow your knee before Christ. Let his spirit indwell you. Cry out to him this morning. If you're a Christian, cry out just as hard. 